It be too late to alter course, matey, and there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey, dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm, I'm Heather Scott Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. How are you doing? So I don't even know what to say now. I'm completely thrown off. The next one is supposed to be I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. <laughs> you can say that. No, then you get double booking and yeah. double headlining and whatever you call it. Yeah. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Minute 104 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Amazing as it is, another day that I don't really have any big announcements for the introduction. Two days in a row? How's that even possible? I don't know how that's possible. It just happened that way. I guess I could tease that Cassandra and Norman from the Dragon Con Award-nominated fantasy podcast, Lord of the Rings Minute, will be here to discuss Pirates of the Caribbean next week, and they just might share a Lord of the Rings Pirates of the Caribbean connection that pertains maybe to the minutes that we're reviewing. Orlando Bloom? I don't know what it is. There's a connection. I think it might have to do with actually the minutes that we're reviewing, actually. Huh. Could be interesting. interesting. Yeah. I will even be man enough to admit that it could be a better connection than my Legolas is Will Turner hypothesis. No. Maybe. I said maybe. They're guests, so I do have to be kind. (laughs) Maybe I will admit that. But you will have to wait and see next week. To get the full scoop on that, it should be fun, and we're looking forward to having Cassandra and Norman on, and it will also give me the opportunity to once again tell the story of Heather yelling out in the theater after seeing Fellowship of the Ring for the first time. (laughs) A completely rookie maneuver that got all eyes on her in the theater. Now that is one hell of a post-credit scene. Heather actually made post-credit scenes a thing, because she started it all. Congratulations, you changed the movie industry, Heather. (laughs) So we all look forward to hearing that story again, and maybe that will be their first time hearing it. So, I didn't like the non-ending. As Cassandra and Norman are here, obvious Lord of the Rings fans, they will get to hear your My. disdain for the ending of Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. I was into the movie, and all of a sudden, boom, sucker ended. Well, that's what happens. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Now I have to watch them back to back to back to back. Aren't there three, four? Three? It depends how many you're talking about. If you're going to go all the way through the first three, and then you got to go through The Hobbit. Oh, so it's five. Six. Six. Well, you'll be up for the next three or four days. <laughs> Especially if you're looking at the extended editions. <laughs> you may be up for the next two weeks. Ah. In the previous minute, Will Turner learns that his father is the subject of an early reader bedtime story. A story written to teach children the difference between right and wrong. It's a morality tale. That's simply perfect for the impressionable mind to digest and dream about as the light clicks off. Once upon a time, a man, sided with a mutinous pirate, left his captain marooned on an island, regretted that decision, was strapped to a cannon, and dropped into the ocean so the crushing pressure of Davy Jones' locker would torment him for eternity. Mutiny only leads to Aztec curses, little Billy. The end. Good night, Will. Sweet dreams. (laughs) 
That's a brutal nighttime story. It's a bedtime story for kids. <laughs> Back to the 18th century reality. Now that we all have to go tend our children out there because they're having nightmares tonight. Yeah. Captain Barbosa interrupts a moment honoring irony and demands that Will be brought topside. Minute 104 begins with Rigetti catching the keys from Barbosa. We immediately cut to a view through a telescope. Norrington is looking at the deck of the Black Pearl. I don't care for this situation. Neither Any attempt to stall on the caves could turn into an ambush. The minute ends with Gillette saying to Elizabeth Swan, A little mermaid flopped up on the deck and told him the whole story. Elizabeth cries out, This is Jack Sparrow's doing. We leave the Dauntless to see Captain Jack Sparrow rowing through the dark and fog towards Isla de Muerta. I can't wait to do the next previous minute recap because that's such a dead man's chest. I'm like Rigetti. Maybe that's, I'm even more excited about that than talking about the minutes. I just get to go ahead and. Sorry, folks, we got to go and talk about tomorrow. Just hold on. Just sit tight. Sit there for 24 hours. Keep listening. We'll let this roll and you can hang with us. Isn't Jack, though, a tricky and conniving little, well, screwy bastard? Well, I should also throw in strategic. Jack sees the writing on the wall that you can't tell Elizabeth what to do or keep her from doing what she wants or what she puts her mind to. So he plays on Norrington's heart and essentially has her locked up. Everything Jack has come to experience with Elizabeth indicates you can't tell her what to do or not to do. You ask her or tell her to stay put, that ain't going to happen. Actually, now that I think about that, every man out there is going, yeah, Jack has something right there. (laughs) I think we all just learned a lesson. No. Oh, I think we did. This show has now gone from entertaining to actually, well, we do have the history, but now it really is an educational show. We're bringing genders together by revealing truths about the genders. Yeah. I'm winking to the all the guys out there who know what I'm talking about. Okay. You can't tell the woman to sit there. That's not, we've gone over this before because we've ha- encountered the Elizabeth thing. You even admitted that that's right. You know it's right. We don't like being told what to do. I know. So what is the best situation? And I think this is, Everyone should listen up here, guys. Listen guys, to the woman. She knows up. best. When the woman, when you know that this is going to happen, if you say, oh my God, I heard a sound outside. Don't come outside. There's only one thing you can do. You got to call the police and have your woman locked up. You got to just have her put away. You got to chain her up. Apparently, that's what Jack had to do. He knew that, well, I could tell her not to go anywhere. I could do something. It's not going to work. So he just automatically, this is the genius of Jack Sparrow. He doesn't play points b c d and e he goes right from a to f he goes you know what i could do all these other steps in between or i could just go to point f and have elizabeth locked up that's what he did the guy's a genius jack sparrow pirate genius how did he ever locked up because he did he actually tells norrington there is this one little problem because jack is like child psychology thing he tells norrington that there is this one little problem. Elizabeth is still on the ship. The people on the ship are in potential danger. Okay. So he plants the seed, which has Norrington take the steps to help protect Elizabeth for her own good, which is essentially what Jack wanted to do was have her locked up so she couldn't finagle in his plan. So Norrington sent somebody back. Gillette. Oh, he sent Gillette back. Gillette is on the ship and they... And the guards, or some of the Marines, Locked lock Elizabeth. her up right. yeah, and put her in that But cabin. how does Norrington, because Norrington's on the shit on the boat with Jack, when Jack tells her there's this one little problem. Yeah, he used the walkie-talkie. There's, no. 
walkie-talkie. The phone? No. The cell phone? What? No. Obviously. Gillette! I need you to lock up Elizabeth! They're trying to be quiet so the pirates don't hear them. They use flag signals. If you could see, I'm actually doing flag signals inside the studio. I just sent you a message that says you need to lock yourself up. (laughs) No. That was all with flags. Fun with flags. Yeah. yeah. So that's how it worked. Trust me. It is how it worked. Okay. I don't have the A to B points that are locking everything together. I just saw it. But that's what happened. Trust me. That's what happened. I I called up. Okay, you can say what you want, but I actually was on the horn no, with no. Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, no. and they told me, yes, I'm no. telling you, he had her locked up. How come it He was, finagled this. It wasn't Gillette's decision to have her locked up? No, it wasn't. Hmm. Norrington orchestrated the whole thing because that's, Jack, you see Jack saying that to Norrington. Yeah. Then we see But they're on Gillette. the little boat. I know. They must have sent somebody back. That's the only explanation. Maybe the boat that had the people facing backwards. Okay. One of the boats did. Do we need to care which boat it was? Somebody went back and said, you know what? Norrington says you got to lock her up. She's a crazy woman. And they did. Well, I was trying to make another point. Okay. You can make another point. As to why are the people in the other boat facing the opposite direction? Because they don't know where they're going to come from. <laughs> if you can't see... It's like a kid. If you the the boogeyman's in your room, you cover your head, then he can't find you, or you can't. If he can't, if you can't see it, it can't see you, kind of thing. That's the psychology of it. Or a cat. Yeah. So they're out in the boat. So they're like, hey, let's just turn this around because maybe we won't have to fight because they won't exist if we don't see them. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. But that's what happened. Jack had her locked up. That is fact. That is written in stone. Okay. And this is actually where it gets interesting, even more interesting than. Me telling you guys. Can I go back to Elizabeth oh, being locked up, though? This is all about Elizabeth I being locked up. Okay, what? That they were shoving Elizabeth into the master's chambers. I guess she has already lost her freedom. I got to ponder that for a minute. Ooh, man. Right? Boy. They're locking her up already. Where the hell did you pull that one from? Oh, yeah. I don't know if your hamster's big enough to come up with a theory like that. And they that. locked her in the master's chambers. Wow. What is this? The King of England kind of thing here? <laughs> Prima Nocta thing going on from Braveheart? Wow. Yeah. So she's lost her freedom already. already. She's not even married and she lost her freedom. Wow. Man, she's that's just, boy, that's a hell of a symbolic move. Right? I didn't see that. That yeah. means it's probably not a symbolism thing. Yeah. Right. If I didn't come up with it, then it's not symbolism. Uh-huh. I don't even know what to say to that. There's okay. Your- the show's done. I think that was the best point. They're dragging her to, as she's fighting, they're dragging her to the master's chambers to lock her up. Yeah. Boy, that's really good symbolism. Right? Yeah, because already she, yeah, because she's stifled by the whole thing and society and now she's going to be, well, she agreed to marry Norrington. So Norrington's going to lock her up until she's learned her lesson from running away. <laughs> I don't know if that was the real reason, but oh. there is some symbolism there because he's trying to protect her. Uh-huh. But... He's locking, he, yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Took a freedom away already. That is pretty cool symbolism right there. He just blew my mind. Oh, and she's no longer naked. Oh, yeah, she isn't. Well, I mean, come on. Norrington's not there. You got to put some clothes on that woman. (laughs) Her dad's still there. I know, but you got to put some clothes on her, though. (laughs) And getting back to Jack and Elizabeth in this whole locking up scenario, the final straw that leads Jack to really not believing Elizabeth or that she will quite possibly ruin the whole plan that he's been implementing to get the Black Pearl back is in the deleted scene that I mentioned in Minute 102. At least that's where it starts with Elizabeth accepting Norrington's proposal. 
Jack sees she is willing to do whatever it takes to save Will. He knows she doesn't want to marry Norrington. Right. But at that moment, he goes, oh, my God. She is willing to do whatever it takes to save Will. Yeah. Why, then, would she, if she finds that I maybe is not on the up and up or she's not going to like what I'm doing, what would make her not jump in and do something to stop that? Okay. Then there's another scene that ended up as a victim to the cutting room floor as well. Jack and Elizabeth are talking at night on the Dauntless. During the conversation, they both recognize that neither mention the curse or details about the curse to Norrington. So after the whole, they come back and get rescued from Rum Runner's Isle. Uh-huh. None of them, Elizabeth nor Jack, tell the crew or Norrington about the cursed pirates. The immortal skeletons, nothing. That, again, is Elizabeth dropping the ball, okay? So Jack says that she didn't do so for the same reason he did. Elizabeth responds because Norrington wouldn't have risked everything to go after the Pearl had he known... And thus, Will would be left in Barbosa's hands without a rescue. So if she had told the truth that you're going to be sending your men up against immortal skeleton pirates, he wouldn't have gone. Right. But... Because Will doesn't mean anything to that's him right. at all. That's right. He's a pirate. He wouldn't have risked his company of men and the ship and all that. But she had to leave it out for him to go rescue. Jack had to do the same thing to be able to get the pearl back. He can't do that information. Okay. Jack is really seeing that, okay, maybe they are more alike than Uh we think. And he actually says, by wrapping up this conversation on the Dauntless, that they are two peas in a pod. Jack says, we're two peas in a pod. Hmm. They are both just as driven, he for the ship, she for Will, and they're going to do anything to get what they want. So Jack knows Elizabeth is just as ruthless as he is, so he can't, by definition, trust her. Her plans may change and could end up really spoiling Jack's scheme. He has to lock her up. Not only that, it's like the law of movies. If you tell anyone, especially a woman, to stay put, they will, by screenwriter's code of brethren, follow or go exactly where you said not for them to go. It is the law. But would this have actually worked with where things ended up? With Elizabeth having a change of heart and wanting to warn Norrington, what do you think? Do you think things would have actually worked if she had done that? Because she wants to end up alerting Norrington. But she does it too late anyway. That That is correct. Yeah, it is too late. And on top of it, I, I understand why they didn't want to share. But would Norrington and the crew actually believe that there's a skeleton undead crew aboard the Black Pearl? I mean, Gillette doesn't believe it. Yeah, because that's actually where fun. I wanted to go so with that. Why would, why would Norrington actually believe it? Because he's in love with Elizabeth? That, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the only reason. Because exactly. I think if you added a scene with her realizing she's sacrificing Norrington for Will, I think it would actually eat at her heart and her morality and yeah. maybe wouldn't have been able to withhold that secret. Plus, her father is also in danger here, right. too. Would she have risked her father, actually, and Norrington for Will? I mean, is that a trade-off that she was willing to make, actually? She is at first because we see right. that... Because she's But not now I think that it. she's thinking about it like, oh... Jesus, there's going to be a giant pirate fight with skeleton immortal pirates. There's no way any of these guys can win. Nobody can win this. It's just not possible. Right. So that's the thing. I think she starts to realize. So that and she has no clue what Jack's up to. Well, she doesn't. Jack had her locked up, but she knows it. She doesn't have any. She doesn't trust what he's doing. Right. So now she has to warn everybody. 
no matter what's going to happen to Will, she's hoping for the best. But she can't risk her father. She can't risk Norrington. She can't risk all the men. That's basically what it's coming down to right. now. So you're right. There, Gillette pops in and really kind of talks about this interesting non-believing quote thing that he gives right. her. I mean, so there is this other piece of information that I really find quite telling about the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. It sets the stage of where we are on the supernatural timeline of things and offers up some tongue-in-cheek foreshadowing that comes up in this Black Pearl Minute. The mermaid? Yeah. Elizabeth says that she needs to warn Norrington that the pirates can't die because of a curse. Gillette turns around and says that, well, he's a smug little bastard anyway. That he is. But he chimes in with, yes, we know. A little mermaid flopped up on the deck and told us. It's like, huh? What he doesn't know is that mermaids will play a significant role in Stranger t- on Stranger Tides. Damn that, Gillette. Oh, yeah? Who's going to show you now? There are mermaids, little bastards. But the important part is, is that he establishes the fact that the supernatural is not just a commonly known thing in this universe. Yeah. Not at this time. Not something that everyone or even just sailors are encountering. Sailors are the ones that usually have a lot of these legends. Right. You know, this is the whole idea that they are still mere legends and myths to scoff at. And he doesn't believe her whatsoever. He thinks she's just trying to get out of being locked up. That's Jack, Elizabeth, Barbosa, Will, Gillette, Murtog, Or is it Mulroy? Now I can't think of who it was. Plus, I'm sure many others that did not believe in supernatural stuff when we were starting this movie. Or did not know if it was really true. Right. This is what I might contend to be the first widespread occurrence of the supernatural taking place in their world, in this kind of universe. I mean, we do see some things in Dead Men Tell No Tales, so I'm not going to get into that. But even that, like with the compass, because we know Jack's compass points to whatever he wants. Yes. Is not a widely known supernatural event. That's just a compass that not everybody knows about. So Jack has some inkling that there's some supernatural element things. I mean, a compass that points to what you want. Okay, yeah. But that's like baby steps compared to Aztec curse. Well, yeah, you wouldn't even think of the compass being supernatural or anything like that. No, but it would have to have some kind of supernatural property. Yeah, but you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think that's not where your mind would go. You're just like, this is a compass made for me. For some odd reason, this sucker points to where I want it to go, what I want most. Exactly. So I think what we're seeing here is that there is a telling of the evolution of the franchise. Something... You know, we can elaborate on in the future with bonus episodes, maybe not necessarily for this minute discussion of how this whole world becomes filled with supernatural elements or really expands into supernatural. I think we use the phrase open Pandora's box on some of these, like this movie opens Pandora's box for this universe of supernatural things, because in each successive movie, we get more and more supernatural elements than we did here, which is simply... Like you said, the compass doesn't really count. Even kind of does, but it doesn't really count yeah. on the grand scheme of things. It's really an Aztec curse that's come to fruition. And that's what we see with Skeleton Immortal Pirates. But we don't see a bunch of other stuff going on. Right. Gillette and all these other people didn't even believe that there was a curse or that this kind of curse existed. Yeah. Now, once you have that, then that opens the possibility for all kinds of different things to pop up. You know, if there's a curse that can happen, who's to say mermaids can't happen? Right. And... That's kind of how things go. And Krakens and... So when Jack is trying to convince Norrington of his scheme, you have Murtaugh and Mulroy right behind him. And they're kind of giving each other looks and this and that. 
And I was kind of wondering, yada, you yada, know, yada, you mean? Yeah. What's going through their minds at that time? Are they listening to Jack and going, because they kind of know Jack. They've yeah. been through his little things. Games before. Right. So are they thinking, I'm not sure Jack's, you know, telling the complete truth or are they thinking, oh, that's a good idea. You They're know? thinking, didn't somebody make this guy a chief? <laughs> Is that what they're thinking? That might be what they're thinking. <laughs> what they should be thinking is, holy S-bombs, the Black Pearl is real. He knew it was real. He said. Or yeah. at least one of them. Who was the one? Now, I can't remember which one's which now. Who was the one who that believed? believed in who? Yeah. Uh, Mulroy did not believe. Mulroy did not believe. Murtaugh okay. believed. Okay, that's right. Yeah, how can I forget that? That's like one of my favorite sayings. I don't know. Somehow I lost that. But yeah, I think that they know that something is up here. Just by the very nature that Jack is involved, or that they're even trusting Jack. That do they think he's telling the truth here, though? I think so because Elizabeth was involved. So Elizabeth was part of this story. She did say that Barbosa. I mean, there are, there are ulterior motives for the both of them. Yeah. But I think that Elizabeth holds more weight than Jack for sure. And I don't know if they're necessarily going off what Jack says. They're kind of going off of what Elizabeth says. But they if- know that. The Black Pearl is there because right. Norrington's looking at it. So obviously the information they had was correct. Right. But even Norrington is like, I got a bad feeling about this. He yeah. doesn't even trust Jack. He doesn't trust the whole situation because for all he knows, Elizabeth could just have a small sliver of what is actually happening here. Jack could actually be leading them into a trap. You got to think Jack stole the interceptor right from under the nose of Norrington. Right. What's to say... That Jack isn't going to steal the Dauntless from under him. Again, because he already tried to steal the Dauntless. Right. Well, as a decoy. Kinda, yeah. So Norrington has to be thinking, I'm going to come at this very carefully. That's why there's a lot of men still on the Dauntless. They're not leaving it unattended. There's a bunch of guys out in the longboats. They're kind of covering their bases here to make sure that nothing hanky is going on. That's probably why some of the boats are turned the other way. They don't trust Jack that this is the only way. There could be pirates coming from any direction. They want to be prepared. Right. So Murtaugh and Mulroy don't quite believe I don't think any of them really believe Jack fully. About the, you know, they don't think it's a good idea. So about them going to the back to the Dauntless and blast the bejesus out of the pirates. Murtaugh and Mulroy are looking at each other here. They're like, and it's kind of hard to see which... If they're telling, if they're thinking this is a good idea, or if they're thinking, I don't know, I'm, they, I wouldn't trust this guy. They can get information from Jack, but they don't want the command decisions coming from Jack. Norrington needs to filter out. Jack is off. You know, they, Norrington needs to filter out Jack's plans. Right. Norrington shouldn't be relying on Jack's ideas. What he needs to do is say, okay, this is what Jack's telling me. Here's the situation I'm in. This is what I'm going to do. Thanks for your advice. I'll take that under consideration. Maybe just unloading the cannons right now or when they get back to the ship is not a good thing. Maybe they need to try and take them out in the water. Maybe they need to do all kinds of different things but not let them get back to the ship or whatever it is. Right. And Jack, too, he doesn't want them blasting holes in his ship either. Right? Right. So what was that line again, actually? It said, I'll go convince Barbosa to send his men out in their little boats. Yeah. Okay. And then you can, you and your men can return to the Dauntless and blast the bejesus out of them 
with your little cannons. Okay, that's okay. I thought you were so saying it's not, that. They, it's okay, not that's the Black that Pearl. makes more sense. Yeah, because he Norrington wouldn't want him back on the Pearl anyways, because they could try and escape. They could then fire back. Right. He needs to be trying to pick them off when they're in the longboats. I think the Black Pearl's heavily armed, also. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. And then Norrington, when Jack says, "Now to be quite honest with you," Norrington gives a smirk, like, "Yeah, quite honest, sure, dude." <laughs> Yeah, did you notice the little smirk on there? Of course, yeah, he doesn't believe him. Yeah. Oh, no, he's like, mm-hmm, Yeah, Norrington sure. is playing his own game. Jack is there as counsel and advice or maybe to point the way. It's like the cop who has informants. Yeah. They, they don't really trust the informants all the way. You'll kick them a bone here and there. You'll get some of the information, but you don't fully trust them with your life. If the informant says, nobody in there is armed, like you're going to just waltz in without having your gun drawn, that's not going to happen. Right. So that's how I kind of take it. Yeah. Jack's like putting his arm on Norrington when he started talking to him. Like he's a, his best bud in the world. I think that's so. how Jack. Yeah, Jack has that personality that always wants to be best buddies with you. Yeah. He's he does that with everybody. He's good side and it's everybody's good side. part of his con game yeah. is to make you think that, oh, no, he's a friend. It's like with Mulroy and Murtaugh that they're all sitting down having tea and crumpets on the Interceptor talking about <laughs> stories and legends when Elizabeth plunges off the cliff right. in the fort. You know, he does that with Barbosa. He kind of takes him everybody. aside. He's, he's that guy that tries to play all the cards in the room. Right. Because he, does, he wants to have a plan of action no matter whose side shakes out. Norrington's side shakes out. He needs to be on Norrington's good side to get the pearl and just slip away. If Barbosa happens to win... He wants to be kind of good buddies with Barbosa. Right. He's playing all the sides that he can as much as possible without giving himself away. Well, it's like when um he was they were getting ready to put him on the plank. He tells Boson, I think it was, that he always liked him. No, was it Boson or was it Kohler? Col- I don't remember. I think it was Kohler. Kohler. Yeah. So, and then he just grunts at him. Yeah. And shoves him. Yeah, there's no love there. No, not at see, all. See, some of the people see through that. So you have people that buy that kind of stuff, and then you have some people who just know that it's all just a charade. Right. So what's not a charade, though, is that we should probably just wrap things up. I think we've probably exhausted that minute. I don't have any other notes. I don't know if you do. No, I don't. Then I say we just get the hell out of here and go have us some grog. And we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 105 of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then... Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Now give me my rum. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.